0: This is the Neptune Now Podcast, where we shine the spotlight on our incredible Neptune radio partners. They are leaders, they are trailblazers, and they're inspirational to so many people around them. It's time for the Neptune Now Podcast. Alma Galloway is a proud owner and operator of May's Craze at Galloway Farm, which is located in southeastern North Carolina. Although Alma didn't grow up in a farming family, she embraced the farming life when she married her husband, Jason, who is a fourth-generation farmer. Alma quickly fell in love with the farm and its way of life, and in the fall of 2011, she opened Maize Craze at Galloway Farm with her husband and their son, Walker. Since its inception, May's craze has grown and expanded under Alma's leadership, becoming a popular destination for families, school groups, and corporate team-building events. Alma's primary objective is always to educate people of all ages on the importance and vital role that farming plays in their everyday lives, while providing a fun and entertaining experience for everyone who visits. I'm Eric Jantra, and this is the Neptune Now podcast, so let's get started. And now we welcome in Alma Galloway to the Neptune Now podcast from Maize, Craze, and Galloway Farm. They're in the great state of North Carolina. Alma, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Eric, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: We have uh, Alma and I were talking just before we went on about how much fun I have had as a uh, old Kansas farm boy. Uh, there was uh, agritainment and agritourism was nothing that I heard growing up on a farm in Kansas, but it is sure fun today. Tell us about um, Galloway Farm and maize craze there in North Carolina as we get started.
1: Certainly, Eric. So Galloway Farm is actually my, I married into the farming business. I I did not grow up on a farm. I grew up a Southern Baptist preacher's kid. So I had not any farming experience, but I I married a fourth generation farmer. His family have been um, farming the land for generations. They have farmed everything from tobacco to rice, soybeans, hay, oats, wheat, and now our biggest commodity is beef cattle. So that's how I got into the farm scene. And a few years after our marriage started, I um, got laid off of my job of 25 years. And I told my husband I had a dream. I wanted to, you know, bring people out to the farm. And he did not see my vision and thought I was crazy.
0: Well, uh, but apparently you won out on that argument because here we are today in Galloway Farm is just a, I've been looking at your website and it just looks like it is fun, fun, fun all the way.
1: It is a lot of fun. You know, my biggest passion, I think, is education. And really, that's kind of what stimulated the whole idea in my head. Um, my child was in kindergarten at the time, and we went on a field trip to a farm. And I thought, wow, I think I can, I really think I can do this. And I think I can do it better. <laughs> and so I, I came home and planted that seed in his brain. And he, you know, he was like, well, you're crazy. Everybody around us has a cornfield or can walk to one. There's nobody's going to pay to come walk around our farm, and especially walk through a cornfield. And, um, you know, after about four or five years of really hounding him and and begging him, when I did get laid off, he said, okay, I'm going to give you 15 acres of land. You show me that you can make more money with that 15 acres than I can with a crop or grazing some cattle on it, and then we'll talk about it.
0: (laughs) That is a great story. What a great way to uh, get started in it. Um, so now you've been doing it. T- tell us how long uh, Maze Craze and Galloway Farm, how long have you been doing it?
1: So this is our 13th year and we are so excited. It's, it's grown every year. We started out literally with just a corn maze and a hay ride. In a small concession stand. And um, we had, you know, a lot of guests come. We're very rural. We're in a very rural area, southeastern North Carolina, about 45 minutes from the Wilmington beaches and the same distance from Myrtle beaches in South Carolina. So we're, we're way in the country. So not a huge population to draw from. But over the years, because we have expanded so much and grown with all of our activities, we now are drawing people from two, three, four hours away. So...
0: Mm -hmm. And that's something I hear very commonly from agritainment and agritourism partners of ours uh, with Neptune Radio, that they started you know, real small. And then they just keep adding on a little bit more and more and more. And it's grown like that. And I bet you've got people that have been coming to you for 13 years that can't even imagine what it was like back at the beginning. In that
1: right. I do. You know, and it's really great to see the children grow over the years and become teenagers. And some of them have come to work for me. And I like to start them out working like in the ninth grade and I work them all the way through the 12th grade. I have some college students that come back every year. Some of them have even gotten married and have children of their own now. And and so, you know, and that's another thing I think that's just a huge passion of mine is having a space that is a place for memories and people to create a tradition for their family to come out and see all the things that we take for granted every day that other people don't get to see or enjoy. Uh,
0: when you started 13 years ago, how many folks did it take, how many uh, employees, family plus employees, uh, did it take to make, uh, to make it happen when you first started?
1: So when we first started, it was literally just me and my husband and our son at that time, who was, oh, I guess he was about nine. So it was uh, just the two of us. And then we might have had a few volunteers, maybe maybe three volunteers that would come and work the concession stand with us from church and people that we knew in the community. And um, I'm a little different than a lot of places. I have a small working staff, even still after 13 years, I, I do have about 18 people, I think, that help me now. Um, And that's throughout the whole season, you know. And we do different shift works on the weekends. But we do uh, Monday through Fridays. We're doing educational tours. And a lot of farms always ask me, how do you do it with such a small staff? And I've just found this niche and this way to manage school trips with just four people being able to coordinate it and make it run smoothly.
0: You know, school trips, uh, I think, are just such an – Incredibly amazing part of uh, agritainment and agritourism. Um, talk about that. That's got to be just so much fun for you to see busloads loads of kids pull up. Oh my and goodness. And to g- see the enjoyment that they get out of it all.
1: Yeah. And again, that's a, that's another passion that just drives me. I love educating not only the school, the school kids that are here, but their parents that come with them that have no clue about where their food and their fiber come from and where and just how important a farmer's role is in their everyday lives, from the tires on their car to what they're eating and wearing. Um, And that is just like, that is a super big driving force for me. And I do love to see their faces. They come every year. It's the same kids normally, you know, the same teachers bringing class after class I do a pretty unique program for field trips. I do. Um, I'm part of what's called the Spookly Farm Program. I don't know if you've ever heard of Spookly the square pumpkin. Spookly is a square pumpkin and a round pumpkin patch. So he is the odd pumpkin and he gets picked on and teased and bullied, if you will, because he doesn't fit in. And by the end of the story, he ends up saving the farm from a terrible storm because of his square shape. You know, he saves the day. And so October just Happens to be National Bullying Prevention Month. So, the Spookly Farm Program makes this available for farms to have and present it to school aged children to do that anti bullying presentation. So, that is that program in itself is what keeps me booked in field trips in the fall. I normally book up two months before the fall, and I have schools that are traveling two and a half hours away just for that spookly field trip. Sorry. Tell us
0: about the, diff- tell us about the different seasons that you guys have there. Like, obviously you're open in the fall. Um, yeah. um w- w- when do you start? When do you stop? What does that look like throughout the course of the year?
1: So I want I guess I want to start in the fall and then come back around to the fall. Cause to me, that's where I began was in the fall with the fall, um, Destination being our, our primary thing. So we start mid September and run through mid November. And that is what we call our, you know, our fall festival, so to speak, our maize craze season. So it is the corn maze, all things fall, the hay rides, the tractor rides and all the games and activities on the farm. And then I, I normally do not do a Christmas season. We do not have a enclosed building big enough to hold a lot of people. So my first year doing a Christmas event, it was just not good. It got cold, it rained, and I thought I'll never put th- people through that again. So until I can get a bigger building, not going to do Christmas. Um, we do a big Easter event. We do a helicopter Easter egg drop where we drop 20,000 eggs from a helicopter across the farm. It literally rains Easter eggs on the farm, and it's a very thrilling event. It's probably the most exciting egg hunt kids will get to go on. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, is that the uh, Easter egg extravaganza that I'm seeing the on your website? Easter egg extravaganza,
1: <laughs> yep. So, And that is just, we limit that to the amount because you don't want too many people running around, running over kids looking for eggs. Because believe it or not, the adults get pretty excited about the helicopter dropping <laughs> eggs. Um, it is amazing to watch all those colors coming down, and, and the kids are trying to catch the eggs in their baskets. Um, so that's our, our Easter event. Shortly after Easter, when we lead into the, the the summer, I do a ladybug release, which is, um, it's a necessity for us because aphids get into our crop and can literally destroy the crop within a matter of days. So once I go out and I find the larva, and I know the larva is there, and I know these pests are coming, I go and purchase all these ladybugs, and then I do a ladybug release, and the ladybugs eat the aphids. So I mean, it's an amazing process. Yeah. So, and so, so we don't have to use so many harsh chemicals. One ladybug can eat like 50 aphids a day. And so I turned that whole experience into an education, and the kids get to learn and they actually can watch the bugs go up the plant and just start stuffing those aphids in their mouth. It's amazing.
0: So. That is so cool. What a great idea. Yeah. yeah. I had it's no cool. idea that ladybugs uh, that were, were so valuable in that regard. That's and again, awesome.
1: I'm, that it's that educational piece you know I love telling people about good bugs and bad bugs and that's what I tell the kids there's good bad and ugly bugs and some of them are you know our friends and some of them are enemies and it's just it's good to just learn that whole process so that's our summer event and that's a pop-up event because we never know when that's going to happen and then we will do ladybugs leads right into our sunflower event we do um, selfies in the sunflowers where we have 14 acres of sunflowers where people can pick flowers So we have different props out in the field for them to walk out into the fields and take their pictures amongst the sunflowers. And then we also have um, cut flowers like zinnias and cosmos. And then that leads us right back into the fall.
0: Um, you guys are um very involved um you are on the board of directors for um, hope I, I always hope I'm saying this right in that's the right way to say it right it is I,
1: NAFTAMA. I, I, I,
0: <laughs> yeah it's the uh, international agritourism association and uh you're also involved with North Carolina agritourism networking association one of the things that I have seen um uh, in the six or seven years that we've been involved with Agritainment and agritourism partners is just this incredible um environment of people helping uh, uh, people, helping people and collaborating and um, exchanging best practices and all that kind of thing. Tell us what that's been like for you to be part of NAFTA and to be part of that group like that.
1: Yeah. So NAFTA was such a big stepping stone for me. I just really, when I got into this, you know, we kind of, we think of agritourism as, entertainment and it is entertainment and it's it's like a theme park but no it's not you know we do this so that we can keep our family farm alive for the next few generations and and going to NAFMA it just I gained so many ideas and gleaned from all these people that had so much wisdom and knowledge and not only agritourism, but farming. And can, you can just connect the dots everywhere. And the network, like you said, is so powerful and it's so amazing how free and giving people are with helping you out to see you be successful with your farm and your business.
0: Uh, best people ever. I'm just going to oh, yeah. say I've been, I have been to um, several of the agritainment and agritourism conferences um, and it's so much fun to be an exhibitor from from our perspective and be at a trade show. And on one side of us is the candy cannon <laughs> that somebody's going to have, and the other side is you know honeybees or something you know something along yeah. those lines. And it's just so much fun. It really is really really enjoyable. I see as well when i when I was doing a little bio checkup on you before we started, Farm Bureau is something that's very important to you as well, and that was to me growing up as well. And Farm Bureau continues today in twenty twenty three to play a very vital role in agriculture, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, they do. And I've been trying to bridge the gap with Farm Bureau and agritourism. There's a little bit of a disconnection, I think, in the last few years, but they are slowly coming around to that. They are huge supporters of me, my local Farm Bureau, um, both financially and um, just a support team for me. You know, I serve on the board, so I'm there at the meetings and discuss a lot of things. But bringing to light agritourism the Farm Bureau has been an experience for me. And it's neat to see that, that you know, that bridge being made there.
0: So you've been doing this 13 years. Uh, it's grown. Um, first of all, I have to ask, when you started and you were trying to prove your husband wrong, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but when you were when you were trying to show him that you could do this, did you ever in your wildest imagination think that it would become what it is today? Or is it pretty much worked out the way you thought it was going to?
1: Well, wow, that's a tricky question. No, I never imagined the the amount of people that's coming. I never imagined that Um, after the first year. I thought, oh, this will be great if we could just do this every year. I'll have a little bit of extra money to pay those tractor bills at the end of the year and put back into the farm because, you know, like I said, that's kind of why we did this is to keep our farm thriving and going for the next few generations. Um, I would have never imagined. It wasn't until And I'll tell you, my husband was never 100% on board until the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, everything else was closed. Um, All the fairs and festivals were shut down. We were the only thing open. And a lot of farms even shut down. So I was open. At the beginning of the year, we had to make that call. And he said, you're crazy. I think you're crazy. You know how we all thought in the spring, by October, the pandemic was going to be gone. That first year, <laughs> so, um it was a it was a really good successful year for us. That's where I think a lot of people found me that didn't know we were here, and so they came in droves and um thankfully, they keep coming back you know after that they've come back the next year and the next year, so yeah, but i know i I don't think I would have ever imagined it growing to what it is now, and I looking towards the future, you know. And again, this comes from being part of NAFMA and part of the Mays family and taking all these tours across the country and visiting all these farms. My head is full of ideas. And so the expansions that I see coming to the farm are far beyond what I ever imagined.
0: Yeah, it is it really is exciting. You mentioned the maze a moment ago. Um we we have so many Naftima and Maze partners that we work with all around the the United States and Canada. Now we've got a bunch yeah. of folks from Canada as well that have joined us and uh always growing, always looking for what's another thing we can do to enhance the experience of our guests. Um and that's just fun. It really is. What's the most challenging part of what you do. Business, owning any kind of business is difficult. You have one that is uh, Mother Nature is also involved with just a little bit. Yeah, okay? I would say so, so.
1: yeah absolutely. Yeah. The most challenging thing is going to be um, the weather and Mother Nature and maybe just dealing with the public and getting them to, to understand Mother Nature and how it affects our events and things going on. You know, just very recently, we had our Easter event and for the first time ever, I had to cancel it because of the rain. And um last year it rained while the people were here and I got to, you know, present myself in front of them and say, Well, welcome to the world of farming where Mother Nature is our greatest friend and our worst enemy. <laughs> so to to try to get people to understand that, you know, and literally they had these looks on their faces like they didn't even understand what I was talking about. So I used that as a moment to say, you know, hey. Sometimes we get too much rain. sometimes we don't get enough rain. you know hurricanes come and knock our crops down and, and it's like lights just went off in their heads like oh, I can see where that could be a problem. <laughs> so yeah, definitely our biggest challenge is weather and we live in a swamp where we're at so it's it's even more impactful when we get a lot of rain and we live in Hurricane Alley, so you know <laughs> yeah. you got challenge. all of
0: it going on. you do yep. you do. Uh, what's your what's your favorite part? Of uh, everything involved with uh, Galloway Farm and Maze Craze,
1: I think this will go back to something we've already talked about. My, I think my favorite part is making a personal connection with my guests. I am. My husband tells me year after year, people come here because of you. I still don't believe them. Um, I do take an extra special step to really get to know everybody that comes through my gate. Um, I make it a point to greet everybody and and talk to them throughout the day. And and I, and I genuinely do appreciate them and I'm glad they're there and I want them to know that. And I think it's, it's really great and it's rewarding when they come up to the gate and I know them and they just, they're so happy that I remember them.
0: Uh, Alma, we certainly appreciate having you guys as a uh, Neptune radio partner. Um, I, I told you before we went on, uh, when we first f- uh, were asked about putting Neptune radio at a farm, as a farm kid myself a long, long time ago, I'm like, how are they going to do that? Um, and uh, that's when I found out that you guys have speakers, you have sound systems, you have the things that you need to do. So we've certainly enjoyed having you as a, a Neptune radio partner there um, at Galloway Farm.
1: Well, Eric, I have to tell you, Neptune is probably one of the greatest enhancements, as you said, a little while ago to our farm. And we just added it last year. And I don't know, just the atmosphere that it it creates while you're here on the farm. I visited a farm last year in New York and and I was like, wow, I love this radio thing. I'm going to find out about it. And it was Neptune Radio and it, and, it was at Wickham Farms up in New York. And it went from there. And I have to say, and I tell people all the time if you're not doing this you need to be doing this there's so many advantages to it um I take a huge advantage of the partnerships uh radio advertising with local businesses and I get a lot of partnerships and uh, big level partnerships and people ask me all the time how do you do that so that's another thing that's just it's just a great enhancement it really is and I and that so my big thing is I love making connections with within my community and when a local business can come to my farm with their family and hear a commercial about their business while they're here on my farm it is just super cool
0: it is a lot of fun Alma once again thank you to you and your family we love having you guys as a Neptune Radio Partner and thanks for joining us here on the Neptune Now Podcast thank you Eric thanks again to Alma Galloway for joining us on this episode of the Neptune Now Podcast our producer is Ryan Huddle. Audio engineering and music provided by Caleb Muncher. And our contributors include Kinsey Featherston, Cade Lowen, and Drew Gork. I'm Eric Jantra. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Neptune Now podcast.